always thought the human body was phenomenal, right? Like it does a lot of cool things. Like we get to breathe, we get to see, we get to taste, but I never really dove into the power and the true magic of the human body until I got pregnant. And I wanted to do all the research to know what was going on inside of me with this baby. I'm suddenly growing, right? And in that research, I discovered how intuitive our body is. I mean, think about it. I am growing a nervous system right now with toes and fingers and a whole brain that communicates with that nervous system that sends messages to these organs and to these joints. And I'm not doing anything for that. In other words, I'm not actively knitting it together. My body just knows how to create life. And not only is it creating this life, it is maintaining my life. And when I started thinking about this, it really blew me away, <laughs> right? And then I realized what a massive work of art this is and what a supreme demand the body has during this process. And I wanted to do everything I could to support my body in this baby making process, partially because I wanted to keep working and I wanted to keep doing all the things that I loved. And because since this pregnancy was unplanned, I felt like um, I needed to restructure, right? So many things in my business and in my life that were planned for a baby less existence. And now that I'm gonna be a mom, they have to be replanned and restructured, right? And so I wanted to apply my methodology of reevaluate, restructure, and reset the three R system, which I know you've heard about many times before, um, to my life and business, right? And so I knew that if I was going to be growing a baby full time, <laughs> that I was going to need to support my body in the process of going through the three R system to be able to set myself up for success once this baby is earthside, to set myself up for success with my business and with my personal life. Um, and I was going to need the energy and I was going to need to understand what my body needed from me so we could partner together. And because the universe gives you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, I received the proposal to have Ellen Meredith on my show. She is the author of this incredible book right here. It is called Your Body Will Show You the Way energy medicine for personal and global change. And I'm going to tell you, I've read some really amazing books in the past couple of months, because as you might already know, inside our Seizing Happy community, we have a book club and we choose different books. And then I get to interview the authors and you get to submit the questions that you want me to ask the author. So we read the book together and then, you know, we pretty much interview the author together. Sometimes I do these interviews live and you get to sit in on them and, and type up your own questions. It's a lot of fun. Um, but this book could not have come at a better time because it is exactly what I was seeking to do. And so the universe provided and said, oh, you want to connect with your body and you want to have a better understanding of what's happening? I got you. There's somebody who knows all about that and there's a book on it. And so here you go. And I started reading this book and I have to tell you, it has been transformational because it has some of the components that I absolutely love. And that is give me actionable stuff. Like, don't just give me theory and ideas and hypotheticals. Like, give me something to do. <laughs> like, help me to implement this knowledge, right? Like, don't just give me the knowledge. Give me the implementation steps. You know, I'm an action taker and I like to implement. And that is something that this book really has. I also loved the way that it is taking something so big, 
a topic so powerful as our bodies, right? And, and, and it is so digestible. All of the ideas are so simple. And um, I appreciate that because I have so much brain fog in this pregnancy. You don't understand. Like I, I, I feel so lucky that I was able to bypass like all the morning sickness and all that stuff. But yo, the brain fog, <laughs> this is horrible. Um, we'll get into that at a later time. But I, I love that the book teaches you so many things. So I'll go through some of these because I, I listed them to make sure my brain fog didn't ruin anything for me. But for this intro in particular, um, you get to learn to work with the energies, right? The energies of your body. You get to enlist the intelligence of the body's subtle energies to heal themselves and to navigate the uncertainty. Whether that is uncertainty in your life that is reflecting in your body or it is uncertainty with what you're feeling in your body, sickness, diagnosed or otherwise. And um, one of the other things that it does is it talks about, teaches the reader, teaches me and you how to remedy those personal ruptures in ways that promote healing and well-being. And like I said, it does this all through really actionable steps. And they're so simple. In fact, during this interview with Ellen Meredith herself, we go through one of those powerful exercises and, um, and she teaches us and some things come up for me in this interview that are, that are really, really great. And if you are on that journey of healing, if you're on that journey of wanting to take your power back when it comes to your physical and mental health, physical specifically is what this, um, what this book talks about, but the exercises and practices can be applied to really any part of your life because you are, you are the instrument. She uses, uh, Ellen uses that word. This is your instrument. Your body is your instrument, right? And you have the power to fine tune it. And these exercises that we're going to learn on this interview, as well as, as when you read the book, really help you to fine tune this instrument, right? And so I really, really, really am so grateful that I was able to discover this book in this time because parts of this pregnancy or parts of my experience with this pregnancy have been obviously with the with the medical and with the healthcare system, right? I have to go get checked. I got to go to a doctor and I had to change my doctor in the process only to learn that I, while I want my birth process to be as natural as possible, right? I would like the option to, um, to birth naturally, to have a vaginal birth. And I would like the option, I would like my body to be given a chance, right? To do what it is constructed to do, right? What it's been doing for thousands of years. I don't want, while I want that, I want that natural, that more natural option. I don't want to have, I don't want to give birth in my house on a, on an inflatable pool, right? Like I do not want to do that because I do also believe in Western medicine. And if there is an emergency, the time between calling 911, getting an ambulance here and getting me to a hospital or having my husband drive me to a hospital or whatever, if there is a true emergency, it's just not going to be enough, right? And I don't want to take that risk. And so I've been on this path, on this journey to be able to find a doctor with whom I feel like I am going to be given the opportunity to have the birth that I desire. And in the case that there is a true emergency, then that doctor will step in. And I haven't found that. To this day, as I am recording this seven months pregnant, I still don't feel completely confident that I have found a doctor that is that makes me feel empowered in my process of, of birth, right? Through labor and, and birth. Um, and that's buck wild. I've had, I've had appointments with doctors 
who I've said like, oh, I would like the option, you know, to try to give natural birth. And I would like to have the golden hour. Like if the baby's fine, when the baby comes out, I'd like to have uninterrupted skin to skin, just be left alone. Like nothing is urgent if the baby is healthy. And so am I. And some of the responses I've gotten are like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. On that day, we'll, we'll see what we need to do to you. And it's, it literally takes the power completely away from, from the mom, you know, from me. It's been wild. Now in this book and with the exercises and with the points of views that are shared and with the experience that are the experiences that are shared in the book, it really makes you feel like you can have that power back by intuitively being able to connect with the inner guidance that your body gives you. And I think that that is a tool for absolutely everyone pregnant or not, right? To, to take ownership of our bodies once again and of our health and of what's going on inside. And so the author is joining us on this episode of the Chats with Gigi podcast. Ellen Meredith is the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way, as well as The Language Your Body Speaks. She has been in practice since 1984 as an energy healer, conscious channel, and medical intuitive, helping over 10,000 clients and students worldwide. As an energy medicine practitioner, Ellen helps clients engage with the body's energies to activate healing, and she teaches energy medicine courses on the SHIFT network. She has served on the Faculty of Energy Medicine Pioneer Donna Eden since 2010. And her website, which we're going to list on the show notes. So if you're driving, you don't need to write this down right now. www.ellenmeredith.com. This is Chats with Gigi, a podcast for women who are ready to step into their power, get unstuck, and create more freedom in all areas of life. I'm your host, Gigi Diaz, certified life and business coach, media personality, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I've helped hundreds of women find the necessary clarity, confidence, and courage to build their dream life and achieve success with less stress. If you're seeking weekly motivation, practical and spiritual advice, and tangible resources to scale in life and in business, then you're in the right place. Are you ready? Here we go. Before we get started with this episode of the podcast, I have a special invitation just for you. Our next big in-person event is going down March 30th. Now I know what you're thinking, Gigi, it is way too early to get something on my calendar for March 30th. It's not. And the reason it's not is because this event is going to be transformational and I don't want anything else to end up on your calendar except for this on that date. Move, Breathe, Grow is a half-day experience that I will be leading alongside incredible, incredible practitioners of breathwork, movement, and business growth. We're going to have a half-day experience for purpose-driven women just like you to tap into their feminine power in our first session called Move where we're going to be embodying that feminine strength through movement. Don't worry, it's going to be easy and it's going to be fun and you don't need to be a pro at anything. Our second session is going to help you to connect with your intuition, with your higher self, to pause and really listen to that inner guidance through breath work. And our third session for this event is going to consist of a panel of incredible women and leaders in their industry, a panel for growth personal and business. You know that here at Seizing Happy, our goal 
is to be able to nurture the business and the woman behind the business equally. And that's exactly what this event is going to be all about. Tickets are already on sale and they're going fast. Head on over to seizinghappy.com. Click on events and click on move, breathe, grow. I can't wait to see you there. You know, I'm expecting my first baby. So this is actually going to be the last event that I am at in person for Seizing Happy until further notice. So I really hope I get to give you a big hug at this one. Get your tickets today at seizinghappy.com. Ellen, I am so excited to have you on the show because this book is so groundbreaking. And I feel like it's one of those pieces of information that you start to read it and because it is so clearly explained and because it is just so true, as you read, sometimes you're like, duh, right? Like, of course, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't I already do that? So I want you to tell me what, what brought this book to your hearts? Where was the root of needing it to get this information out to everybody else out there? Oh, good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, this book is a funny one. When I was writing it, I thought, this is so odd. No one's going to get it at all. No one's going to understand what I'm talking about. And I was very guided. I, I've been trained by my inner teachers. And um, they showed up about oh, almost 50 years ago and started training me to, to, to hear their perspectives and their consciousness. And I am a conscious channel. So, you know, I've been doing it for other people, but more important, I think, was this training that they gave me for myself. And um, what I realized over the years was that they really were showing me how to work with my body, how to listen to it, how to activate the guidance system that's built into every fiber of our being. And um, I really needed it. You know, I think I was, I, I, I was a fixer upper, you know, I really was like a head on a stick as a kid. And then, you know, as I got this training, as I started to apply the lessons that they were giving me to my every moment, everyday life, I just realized that this is something we don't show our kids. We don't train people how to use this instrument. You know, and I think about like if I if you were to learn guitar, you know, one of the first things you learn is how to tune the instrument, right? And and because as you're playing it goes out of tune. And if nobody teaches you to tune the instrument, you have to go to a doctor to tune the instrument. You have to go to a specialist to to retune the instrument. You're either going to play a lot of your songs out of tune or you're going to spend a whole lot of money getting it retuned by someone else. So this is a, a skill set that we need. We need to be able to reset the instrument, to, to tune it to another key when we want to operate in a different way. You know, like a guitar, I don't know if people know about guitars, but if for each song you have to tune it to a particular key so that you can play that song. If we don't learn how to do that with our own bodies, with our own instruments, uh, you know, of our body, mind, and spirit, what happens is we're at the mercy of just whatever comes up, and we're often playing ourselves out of out of tune um, to our own lives. I mean, you know, maybe I shouldn't stretch the metaphor for too far, but that's sort of where it comes from in my heart. 
I absolutely love that you're addressing the human body as an instrument. I feel like that's a beautiful, beautiful way to explain what we're working with because it is, it truly is an instrument. It is an instrument that the more you take care of it, the more it can do for you, right? Absolutely. And those little, I mean, we've all heard an out-of-tune piano or an out-of-tune violin, like when they do the screechy sound, right? And so right. your body will respond in the same way when it is out of tune. Now, you mentioned being able to connect to your inner guidance system in the book. It's one of the things that you talk about. Right. All have an inner guidance system and how, how can we connect to our own inner guidance system? Right. Well, we do all have an inner guidance system for sure. And um, because it's built into the equipment. And what I'm talking about in the book is learning to use this amazing instrument that we inhabit. And so one of the ways that we that I start with is just show up. You need to show up and listen and ask and provide moments where you can perceive the body communicating. And one of the things that I talk about in this book and, and in my other book called um, The Language Your Body Speaks is that the body communicates in, in two languages. It, it communicates through chemistry, which we're all familiar with through Western medicine, but it also communicates energetically or with, with energies. And we can learn to speak that language. We can learn to understand how energy communicates. And you know, if you know the lingo, you can get around much better than if you're a foreigner in your own body or in your own um, consciousness. And the language of energy is not just words in the head. And often when we look for guidance, we're looking in our head and we're looking for words. But in fact, we're the, all the wiring, the entire body is wired for knowing. Our mind actually includes our whole body, our whole energy field, our whole consciousness. And it speaks through sound, but it speaks through color and and imagery and vision. It speaks through direct knowing. It speaks through smell and touch, all our senses. It communicates through some senses that we don't know in our culture. But you know, you'll you'll recognize, for example, when you walk through a crowd, we have radar that keeps us from bumping into the other people. Well, that radar is part of the language of energy. We have the ability to scan a field and see what doesn't belong. You know, you can, you can, if you're a shepherd and you're watching all your sheeps, you know, sheep, is that plural? You know what sheep is, is having trouble. You know where the disturbance is. That's another sense that we have. And we have, you know, so it's fun to explore what is this built-in vocabulary that we have and how can I come more fully into um, understanding it, both perceiving my energies, but also using it to speak to my energies. Movement, gesture, that's all part of the language of energy. Touch, you know, how often when a child is crying, is a parent going, oh, tell me what's wrong, tell me what's wrong, and the kid can't talk yet, right? But if you touch the child, if you hold the child, if you rock them, you know, whatever you're gonna do, you're not gonna use words in English in their head, you're going to use the language of energy. So we all know it, we just have forgotten to use it. 
I love that. And, and speaking of that remembering, right, how did you become a medical intuitive? How did you develop this ability to work as an energy medicine practitioner? Well, it was kind of by accident. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't set out to be a medical intuitive or an, an energy <laughs> healer. <laughs> but um, my, I was being trained by these my inner teachers. I'm a writer by training. And um, I was hooked the first time they showed up to talk to me because, wow, this is not boring. You know, this is really interesting. And I want to hear what they have to say. And I want to have these these conversations and dialogues with them. And so I had been in dialogue with them for a while. And um, one day they said, well, you're going to get very ill and you're going to move to California. Actually, they said it the other order. You're going to move to California. You're going to get very ill. And in the process of healing, you're going to learn how to be a healer. And all I heard in that entire message was, you're going to move to California. You know, I was like, yes, that sounds great. So it turns out I got a job in California shortly after that and moved there. And um, I did get quite ill. And in the process um, of healing, my doctor sent me to a complementary practitioner and who, who worked with meridians and with muscle testing and other things. And I realized I, could, I knew what she was going to test before she tested it. I knew where she was going to work before she got there. I, I could see it and I could see, you know, I'd see this discolored thing in my own body and I'd look at hers and it was a different color. And I'd say, hey, what is this thing here? Because yours looks really nice and healthy green and mine looks puke green and what's going on? And she said, oh, that's your gallbladder. You know, so I really didn't even know my organ names when I started. But through working with um, this practitioner to heal, I learned that I had this ability to see and perceive what was going on in my own body, which I think many of, of the people listening have this ability. It's one of those things where you don't develop it because you don't have the chance to figure out that you know it, right? Nobody, nobody puts you in a situation where you can do that. Um, yeah, so I, I was able to, to see what was going on and guide my practitioner of now I need this. I could look at the whole wall of supplements that she had and I could say, I need the third one from the right on the fourth shelf up and I need one a day for five days. And she would energy test me or, or muscle test me and she'd say, yes, that's exactly what you need. And so uh, we had fun playing with it. You know, we both thought this was really cool and weird. And um, when I healed, she called me up and said, would you be willing to come in and see if you can do that with other people? And I said, yeah, okay, sure, why not? And I went in and the first client um, had a neck that wasn't healing. So this was a chiropractor, so she had a lot of body stuff. And, um, and I looked at her neck and I said, well, would it make a difference if there was a hairline fracture right here in her, in her neck? And the chiropractor said, duh, yeah, and did another x-ray and found the hairline fracture. And so we were all going, whoa, that's too cool. <laughs> Because that you know, is way too cool. <laughs> like we just didn't know. But you know, that's the thing. None of us knows how much we can do because our whole culture tells us, look outside yourself for the answers. Look outside yourself for expertise. Look outside yourself for perspectives or knowing or what questions to ask. Go to experts, go to experts. And we never tell ourselves, I need to become the expert of this body, of this body, mind, and spirit, because it's not just an empty instrument. It's consciousness expressing itself 
in physical form, in mental form, in emotional form, you know, in spiritual form. We're just this big ball of really cool energies. And if we can explore that, you know, I think the listeners can take it places I've never taken it. I mean, I've studied energy now for 50 years and I'm still learning new stuff every day, you know, because um, it's worth that amazing. I know this episode is really juicy, but I gotta talk to you about this. As entrepreneurs, we focus so much on branding and messaging and lead generation, but what about your money? And I'm not talking about the sexy part of money, right? The making money and scaling. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about knowing exactly what's coming in and out, knowing exactly where your money is going. Or are you mixing personal charges with business charges? Does it sometimes feel like you're making the sales, but you aren't really sure where the money is going? And then come tax season, you're overwhelmed and probably getting overcharged to get your books in order, which means you're probably missing out on opportunities to scale, to reinvest in your business, maybe even to save some really big bucks. That is not the best way to build your empire, and it's going to cost you a lot of money in the long run. No matter what stage of business you're in, whether you're starting off or you're already making multiple six figures, you need to have your money and your books in order. Rise Up Bookkeeping is a woman-owned bookkeeping company dedicated to helping business owners achieve growth by managing their accounts and QuickBooks online. They offer four main services, all customizable to your business needs, okay? So one of these services is setting up your bookkeeping. So if you're just starting off, you want to make sure you start off on the right foot. This is the service you want. Service number two is trainings. If you want to handle your bookkeeping yourself, they'll teach you exactly how to do it. Number three, cleanups to reconcile your balances. So if you've got the hot mess expressive in your books right now, you want to make sure that your invoices match, that your payroll is in order, that you have all of your ducks in a row before you file for your taxes. And number four, if you're anything like me and you just want to hand the whole thing over to the pros, they will do your monthly bookkeeping for you. So month to month, you don't have to worry about it. If 2023 is the year that you're starting to treat your business like the empire that you truly want it to become, it starts with your money. Rise Up Bookkeeping gives you up-to-date financials for better business decisions and money management overall. Contact Rise Up Bookkeeping today for a free resource to get you started. Head over to riseupbookkeeping.com. I think that's so fantastic, the way that that just kind of came to you. And I think it's brilliant to the way that you allowed it, because I feel like sometimes we have these natural gifts and they want to awaken within us. They, they're kind of like tapping at us intuitively, kind of like taking our attention toward them. And we're like, oh, that's weird. I don't, I don't even know what that is. Rather than allowing for those gifts to come through and allowing for the space to listen and to intuitively connect with what that message is, right? So yeah. For those people that are in that moment now of awakening to their own gifts, to their own guidance, to their own, the little nudges that their body is giving them, but are unable or maybe even unwilling in this moment <laughs> to stop and listen, what do you recommend as a process to be able to allow to create space for that? 
Wow, a well, good question. My whole book is about that. It's chock full of energy explorations and yeah. energy exercises. And, you know, there's two different questions you ask there, people who are unable versus people who are unwilling. Okay. Big so, difference. Absolutely. <laughs> very, very different. For people who are unwilling, there's usually some fear there. Um, you know, if you've grown up in, in, a Judeo-Christian tradition, often there's some prohibitions around um, looking for your inner guidance and inner knowing. Um, and our culture in general, um, you know, has a history, you know, there were burning times where women who were wise got, got killed. Um, you know, there have been historical periods where people who access their, um, <clears throat> their intuition and their ability to know were treated as outsiders, weirdos, danger, um, et cetera, et cetera, crazy, et cetera, et cetera. I actually have a friend who's almost 80 and early in her marriage, she, she developed psychic abilities and her husband threatened to put her in a mental institution and he had the legal right. And that was what, 60 years ago, he had the legal right to have her committed for being intuitive. That's how much resistance there is under the surface for some of us. So, so I'm really compassionate for people who feel unwilling to say, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things legislating against you, literally, as well as figuratively these days. So it's good to find circles of support, you know, other women or other men, if, if you're in a, you know, in a circle of people who also want to explore the potential of this body, mind, and spirit, you know, get some company who can um, legitimize that for you and and help you ground it. So it's not superstition and it's not, you know, um, getting into some of that weirdo film stuff that you see about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> about our abilities. I, I mean, let me ground it for a moment in, I believe we each have gifts. We each have gifts, right? And I invite your, your listeners, just in one moment, if you were to come up with one, two, or three words to describe sort of what kind of person are you? And I'm going to just say I'm a messenger because, mm -hmm. you know, I write and all this. I'm a messenger and teacher. What are one or two or three words? Not that describe your profession, but that describe what kind of being you are. What a powerful exercise. One word that came up for me is leader. And immediately I heard my ego say, oh, what do you think? You're hot shit. Isn't that <laughs> wild? Yeah. Everybody has gifts. I mean, imagine yeah. that everyone has gifts. Why shouldn't you be a leader? Someone has to, right. right? And if you can look at your history and say, well, actually, historically, there's been evidence that, that I had leader potential, even if I didn't fulfill it, or I was a leader, it's not that big a deal. I mean, you think about the birds flying in V formation, and the one in front is the leader. And you think, well, they're not going, oh, who am I to fly in front? They're saying, well, I'm willing to take the flack. I'm willing to take the extra pressure that it takes to be the front bird for now. We might trade off because that could be exhausting. But you know, so there's a lot of ways that our culture demeans us when we try to find our gifts. It, you know, that voice of, well, oh, who am I? Who am I? Well, you're somebody. Each of us is somebody. 
And if we can find something that makes our hearts sing that we can also feel proud of, not because it has status, but because it makes our hearts sing. You know, all those women who are mothers and that is their true calling, you know, they were put down for how many thousands of years in our culture for wanting to foster human life when it's the most sacred thing you can do. You know, and that's patriarchy, right? That's that's a very skewed culture um, telling you wrong things. So all of us have to be authors where we rewrite the stories of what truth is for ourselves and for the people we love and the people around us. And then as we do that for the larger society, we can't continue to let these external narratives define us. I love that. That is so powerful. And so in this exercise that you just put us through, we we find this space and when you, you brought our listeners to think of a few words that they feel are their gift. Now what? Okay, so now what? I also wanted to give an energy medicine exercise. That's just a an exploration that in a, the book is full of explorations, but I also give exercises that actually retune your energies. Mm. Because if I give you a guitar and show you how to play a few chords and it's horribly out of tune, you're going to immediately get discouraged and say, "Well, I can't play an instrument. It sounds terrible." <laughs> right? So, I really believe that energy medicine um, exercises that help us retune our bodies are really good. So if you're feeling resistance or fear or, um, oh, I just don't have time for that, you know, some kind of aversion that, you know, is probably an excuse. Um, here's one that I call open sesame. Okay. Um, so you're going to rub your hands together and you're going to intersperse your fingers. You rub them together just to activate your hands ability to speak energy. You put your fingers interspersed like this together and just put them over your heart okay and you're just going to breathe in and out you can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth and actually while you do this it's really really good to cross your ankles you don't have to but it helps your left and right brain communicate better. And I just noticed that today I needed to have my ankles crossed for this to work. Sometimes it works without them crossed, but today it wanted that. So you're just gonna hold there for a moment and just feel your hands talking to your heart and feel your heart talking to your hands. You know, it's just that sort of feeling with your hands, but feeling the receiving as well. Now you can come back and do this longer, but we're going to take our interspersed hands and now put them on our forehead. And this covers some points that are called neurovasculars that calm the emotions of the body. So, and it also integrates your left and right brain. You've got your interspersed hands kind of cradling two sides of your brain and getting right brain and left brain to work on the same page. Okay, now we're going to take our interspersed hands and put them behind our head, just in behind your eyes. And there's some points back there that you're holding. These are, there's all kinds of um, excess energy, excess points all over your body. When you hold these points, they're fear points. So they help calm fear and they help things to flow. They, they relate to water elements. So they help things flow. 
it's like we've got magic buttons all over the place and I you know, know you can either amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so this kind of calms some of the fear and it keeps things flowing and it calms the nervous system it actually speaks to the energies that that work your nervous system okay and then we're going to go down and you can either go behind your belly button on the back so like this okay or you can go on your belly button in front i'm gonna do belly button just because i'm knocking things over with my chair otherwise <laughs> so i've got two hands interspersed on my belly button okay. now think about the umbilicus that's your connection to nourishment right that's how mom feeds you or fed you as a child it's a very very powerful powerful part of this instrument and when we're born it just gets cut and tied off and some of us just need to remind be reminded that there's still nourishment coming in so that hold helps to activate that sense of being nourished. Okay. And then the last part of this that, that I teach, um, and this is in my in the book actually, uh, is I invite you to do what I call don the robes of service. So take that word you came up with. You're gonna don the robes of leadership. I'm going to put on my uniform, my messenger uniform. And I literally use gesture and movement to put on my robes for that gift, for that role that came to me as one of mine. So what does it feel like now in your body? You're wearing your robes of leadership. I'm wearing my robes of messenger and others out there. You're all robed up. What does that feel like? It's amazing. It feels calm and it feels really powerful. It feels like it's like a calm strength is what I feel. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because when we did the gesture behind the head, before you said anything, the words that came to my mind or what I, you know, what I heard in my mind was you're safe. And immediately thereafter, you explained that that's exactly what that part of the of, of the of the body receives is that that message, that space of safety and, and protection, and it's all good. And it's right. beautiful to see how something so simple can have such a powerful effect on the body right. immediately. Yeah, and it is simple. That's the point. You don't have to do five years of yoga or 20 years of yoga to get to that knowing because your body wants you to know. So the second you even start to approach a place, it'll start to tell you what, what that place is good for or what that's an entry to. And as we sit here, we just tuned our guitars, right? We just tuned our instrument, our energies, so that rather than approach all this stuff from a place of fear or all that societal stuff we've just activated parts of our being to show up and and be part of the song or part of the conversation and that's what i love to teach is how to do various energy exercises how to do various explorations to activate this guidance system that's built in and it's infinite it's I'm, you know i'm still learning it's there's so much that we can access 
through the body. And it's not always of the body. I mean, if you think about it in our culture, we separate body, mind, spirit. You know, we go to a, a, a medical doctor if there's something wrong with our body. We go to a psychologist if there's something wrong with our mind or emotions. We go to, you know, a, a spiritual pastor if there's something wrong with our spirit because they're so separate in our culture, but they're not separate in our reality. In our reality, there's spectrums. So over here is the most condensed part of your being and that's your body self and here in the middle is kind of your mind and your what i call your think your talking self it it's kind of less dense but it's still part of that same spectrum of self and then over here is your spirit or source self and yeah. that's even less dense but they're not separate so yeah. something that happens here in your body is an expression of mind and spirit Something that happens in your emotions is an expression of body and, and spirit. Something that happens to you spiritually is, is echoed in body and mind and needs to be addressed there so that the, the music of the soul can be played on the, the instrument of, of the body, you know, by the musician that is your mind. So we have these three. You know, and I'm, I'm on music today. I guess that's my thing today. I love but. it. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> but if we can understand how we're constructed, then we see how much what we do in our, in our culture makes no sense and why it's breaking down. You know, mm -hmm. why is Western medicine collapsing under its own um, weight? It's too expensive. It's brutal. It has no ways to assess what's going on because the machines that, that are meant to assess things are so clunky. Like I had a friend get an MRI the other day and she was traumatized. And that was just to scan to make sure there's no cancer there. Well, your dog can scan to make sure there's no cancer there, right? We can train <laughs> dogs to sniff cancer. Yep. Why aren't we using even what we know? You know, and if our dogs can smell cancer, why can't we train ourselves to smell cancer and do that service for each other? We have the capacity. We're also creatures like dogs and cats, but we do not know that we have the capacity or we don't believe we can develop it or should develop it. And our culture says, no, no, I'm the expert. I'm gonna do this to you, for you, and you don't even need to participate. You just lie still. It's so crazy you should say that because I had a personal experience with that through my pregnancy. I had to change doctors and one of the doctors that I was, you know, vetting, so I went to have I went to have a session um, an appointment with them and this doctor literally said that to me. Almost in those words verbatim, she said, "You know, um mind you, I'm talking about labor. I'm talking about giving birth, something that the the woman's body has been doing for thousands of years." And I was asking her some questions and she was like, "Well, my job is to get this baby out of you. So you just need to trust me, go with the flow and let me do whatever I need to do to you to get a crying baby in your hands and out of the hospital. Those words, you need to go with the flow and let me do to you whatever I need to do to get a crying baby in your hands and out of the hospital. And that was the moment I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> that's not the angle. That's not to say, and, and listen, to be very clear for everyone who's who's either watching or, or listening to this, 
there's this is not anything against Western medicine. It no. is great emergency medicine, but it is emergency medicine. It and is emergency. And that has to do with our bodies right. is an emergency. <laughs> right. And why, yeah, why would childbirth be an emergency? You know, that's so crazy. And, you know, I talk in my book about this um, outside in thinking that. That was my next question. Can we please elaborate on that? Yes. So our culture really trains us to to see ourselves objectively from the outside in. And our proof is always something out there. It has to be an objective proof. And our subjective reality is not considered valid or trustworthy or any of that. And um, it's it's that's one thing that's changing. We are really going through a big sea change um, right now. And, you know, people who've noticed a lot of change in their lives and a lot of upheaval, it's because we are going through a huge, huge change. And one of the changes that we're going through is a shift from this outside in perspective to being able, you know, I call it a very young expe- uh, perspective, you know, outside um objectification to awakening our inner knowing, our uh, inside out thinking. And I call that empowered yin. And it is not at all passive. It is the power that gives, that we, that the body knows how to give birth from the inside out. And it is not the doctor or the midwife giving birth. Their job is to help. Our job is to birth the baby. And um, so that inside out way of being involves knowing within yourself. And it's not that that's the only way of knowing, but how many of us, we want to know something, we immediately immediately Google it. You know, we go online and say, what did someone else think? What did experts tell me? What do all these people have to say? Opinions, opinions. And it's this group think that is wrong a large percentage of the time, or it's right, but not for us. And the group can't tell you what's true for you and what's right for you. And the doctor doesn't know 100% what's going on for you. And if you can't participate, then again, it's somebody else tuning your instrument. But how do they know what song you're trying to play? Mm. So, And we do know these things. We have this capacity. It's underdeveloped in some of us. and others, it's quite well-developed, but we're shamed. Like, who are you? you know, your your leadership reaction. Who are you to think you should do that? Well, thank you for being willing to take that on so some of us can fly with less pressure, right? It's yeah. it's a service you give, not some ego thing. And, and I feel that, um, especially for women, our culture tells us, don't you dare know what you know. Don't you dare know your truth. And I'm, I'm dying to tell you a little story, which is kind of Please tell me all the stories, all the stories. <laughs> well, this is not in my book, but it's 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 a story. Um, because I was trained by inner teachers, I didn't know at first, like I said, I didn't even know what my organs were or where they were. I had to learn all of that stuff about anatomy and bones and how they worked from the inside out. And eventually I did, you know, some other training, but I started with this. And um, I had... And, Right away after the first client, she said, do you do private individual work? And I said, sure. And then I thought, or do I? (laughs) And so that started my practice. And within a year, I had so many people coming. I had to quit my my day job. I was teaching at a university and I I had to decide between the two. I, I didn't have to. I chose to. But my practice really flourished. And 
at one point I had a client who was having a baby, she was pregnant, and she asked me would I attend her birth, would I come help her. Now she was in a hospital, I wasn't going to do it on my own, but I said sure, I'll come help out. Having never birthed a baby, um, or had a baby, I had not physically had one, but I, I trusted my teachers, and before I went in, this spirit named Josephina showed up in my mind. And usually spirits for me are kind of collective. They don't they don't have a lot of individual personality because mm -hmm. I'm not that interested in putting, you know, casting them in roles. I like to just hear their energy. But this woman, she was Filipina and she was named Josefina. And I said, okay, can you help me? She said, yes, I'm a midwife, among other things. And so I said, great. So I went in and I was coaching the birth and Josefina had me explain to my client to envision her womb like a series of drawstring bags, drawstring bags, okay, like bag upon bag upon bag. So there were a bunch of bags all inside each other. Uh -huh. And she said, as we go, I'm going to put, ask, I'm going to touch you or have you touch yourself somewhere and imagine that's where that bag opens. So for each um, contraction, you're just going to breathe and open that that bag and I'm going to show you where the opening for each bag is. So as we went, there would be this one bag and we'd touch her or she I'd even have the client say, where do you think the next bag is? She knew she would touch it and then she would just concentrate on letting that drawstring open. And it was an amazing thing. She didn't have a whole lot of pain. She was able to just piece by piece by piece, you know, bag by bag, open up to this delivery to, to let the baby out. And it was just this wonderful process where she felt like she was not fighting pain. She wasn't struggling. She had a job and she could participate and she could feel in her body the effects of that, right? So I thought this was really awesome. And I thanked Josephina and I had my client thank Josephina and Josephina said, great. And I didn't think much of it other than that was cool and, and how fun to help this baby come into the world. Except about a month and a half later, a, a friend of mine who was a physician was going off to the Philippines to um, study alternative medicine. She got a, a rotation where they allowed her to study alternative medicine, even though she was an MD. And she... Um, she wrote me a, a, a letter, I don't think it was an email, and she sent me a brochure about this healer that she had met named Josephina. And the brochure had a picture and it said Josephina is a midwife and energy healer. And it was the same woman who had coached no way. me. Yes, way. <laughs> that was so cool. It that is a, so cool. <laughs> I know it was the same woman. She did die a couple months later. She was, you know, she was very near death. So my my friend wasn't able to study with her. She was too sick, but she had that brochure. And it was like, oh my gosh, that is too weird. I love it. That is wild. <laughs> But the important thing wasn't the woo-woo story of, oh, you know, I got in touch telepathically yeah. with a midwife, but the fact that that midwife had that ability and that the tools that she had learned in another culture that believes in intuition and participation was able to help my client in California and that the method itself that she'd come up with with the drawstrings was really an effective and simple method 
very similar to the kinds of exercises that I teach in my book, yeah. like the one I just taught. They yeah. don't have to be these far out, you know, complicated, convoluted things, because if we're attuned, we can see what's needed. And often what's needed is very simple. I love that. In that well, moment. One of the things you also talk about in the book is this uh, chapter that you have called Rename, Reframe, and Reclaim. What does this mean and how is it supremely important for us to apply? Okay. Well, our um, culture loves to give names to diseases. And often the diseases, the names are really descriptive. You know, chronic fatigue means you're tired a lot. You know, I mean, you know, some of the names or we give the Latin version of that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of silly because I've got such and such. And, you know, really what you've got is a Latin descriptor of the symptoms you walked in describing. But names carry a lot of baggage mm -hmm. in our culture. So if someone says to you, you have cancer, we all go, Ugh, because we're freaked out by the name cancer, even though there's dozens of different kinds of cancer, it's almost as common as the last name Smith, right? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so um, when we get a diagnosis that that carries a lot of baggage with it, we take on that baggage. We look it up and we see what we're supposed to, you know, what the symptoms are supposed to look like. And oh yeah, I've got that. I've got that. And pretty soon, instead of our situation being a dynamic inside ourselves we're carrying this thing our disease has become a thing outside ourselves and we're dependent again on the experts to help us deal with it and it's not to say don't ever go to experts it's to say don't ever give up your own participation in any process so so what I talk about in the book is a friend of mine who got a very, should I tell that story in the book? It's Please. A short one. Okay. So, so this woman, <laughs> Anne, was a very devout Buddhist, and she went traveling all through the, um, the Far East, um, visiting um, sites that were sacred to Kuan Yin, who's the female form of the Buddha. And she was just transcendent. She came back and, oh my God, she'd had such an awakening. But she developed within a few days this really red, angry, itchy rash down below in her private parts. And it was horrible. It was so itchy and so yucky. And it came and went, but mostly it was there a lot. And she went to see all kinds of doctors, you know, tropical medicine and, and um, you know, skin, skin doctors and, and even alternatives. She did some acupuncture and other things and nothing was doing the trick. And she, she called it her plague, you know, and she was <laughs> joked about, I've got the plague. Um, and one day she thought, this isn't working. What can I do differently? What do I know that I can do differently? And she said, well, in Buddhism, you know, you don't push away from it. You go towards something. I'm going to, I'm going to um, stop calling it the plague. And I'm going to ask it for a name that I can call it so that I'm not constantly putting it in this category of this horrible thing. And I'm not going to keep of trying to get rid of the situation because this is my situation. And if I'm a Buddhist, I'm not, you know, going to fight for, you know, I'm not going to say, no, I just want transcendence. I don't want this red, red, itchy thing. So she asked her body, what's the name? Asked this situation, this, this uh, itch, what should I call you? And she heard quite clearly, Blanche. 
Now, Blanche is hilarious because it means white. And so here she's got this red itchy thing called Blanche. And she said, okay, Blanche, what can I do for you? What, what do you need right now? And Blanche showed her, you know, I need to sit in a cold bath or I need to do such and such. And so every moment of the day, whenever Blanche would show up, she would stop what she was doing and say, Blanche, here you are. What do you need? What can I do for you? And she would dialogue with the situation. And when we get guidance like that, it's not like a 10 part plan. It's like what a dog does. You know, the dog says, now I'm going to shake. Now I'm going to lick myself. Now I'm going to drink water. Now I'm going to eat a kibble. You know, it's this now, now, now. And the body's a little like that. So her body would say, now I need this. Now I want that. Now I want this. I don't want that food you just prepared. I want this. And she was able to get into real deep dialogue with her body, partly because of her Buddhist um, skill. And within three weeks, Blanche was gone, never to return. It showed her how to heal it because it was a messenger, as all illness is, from her body to herself. Not about some disease out there, but about Blanche, this dynamic in her body. Now, there's other people who have read itchy things down there, but they may not be Blanche, right? Or they may be Blanche's twin sister or cousin, but they're manifesting in you. So, so what I talk about with the rename reframe, reclaim. I have some exercises there. And one is to just do that first step of, and we can do that together. Think of something in your life that's problematic. It can be in your body. It can be like something where you have pain or, or an, an illness, even something, a diagnosis. You're going to put aside the diagnosis of impetigo or cancer or whatever they've given you. And just ask it for a name. And you're not assigning the name. You're asking, what shall I call you? Okay, so tune into that thing. It can be in your life, it can be in your emotions, but it's good to start with the body. Um, okay, so so you ask it for a name, and then you can say, so did you get a name? Are Ruby. You to, Ruby. Okay, you don't have to say what your issue is if you don't want, but um, you can say, Ruby, what do you need from me right now in this moment? And see if something comes up. Now, remember, you could get an image. You could get a sensation. You could smell something. You could feel like some movement. It doesn't have to be words. Yeah. So, so I, I don't mind sharing what I, what I'm addressing is my round ligament pain, which is pretty challenging right now. And so what I got when I asked was Ruby and what I, what I got, what do you need right now? It was, I, my, my whole stomach kind of like contracted, almost like doing a sit up, like exercising the pulling in and the out. Uh-huh. So, to repeat that motion. Okay, so she showed you what you needed and you can try it and she, and you can keep tuning in say Ruby, you still need this, do you want something else? And so that's one very quick way we get into dialogue with some part of us that need, that's talking to us through symptoms, through pain. And then you can unpack, well what does that name mean to you, Ruby? You know, what are your associations with Ruby? You know, and you can say or not say. Yeah. I feel like the, what I, as I, as I ask that question, I feel like, um, because of the color it's, it's dire, like that red color to me means it's, it's important. It's urgent. 
mm-hmm. but because of what it what the word means, it's precious. Yeah, like it's a very important, precious, urgent thing that I need to do, which makes perfect sense because I'm growing a human in there, and that's the reason I have this round ligament pain. And thinking now with my more logical mind, I know that helping my body to strengthen in my core is going to facilitate my delivery process. Right. Just of, you know all the reading that I've done, and there isn't. There is a type of urgency to that because I'm seven months pregnant. So this thing's <laughs> going to come out pretty soon. <laughs> yes, she is. The sooner, the sooner I do that work, the better, right? The, the more. Right. right. And, and wow. so it's not, and you know, and I'm not correcting you, but it's not even work. It's, it's that in each moment we make a choice about what we're doing, what we're thinking, how we position ourselves, what song we're trying to play. We just make choices all through the day. And in this moment, through discomfort, your body's saying, here's a choice I'd like you to make right now. I might not need it in five minutes, but right now, if you could make this choice, that would allow the evolution to go smoother of this body, mind, spirit combination. I love that change in the words. It's not doing work. It's just something you need to do right now. It's what we do. It's choice. It's play. It's exploration. And what I try to teach in the book is that, no, now we don't do 10 repetitions of the exercise. It's more like it is a conversation. It's like the drawstrings. Can we play with what we've been given in a way to say, okay, what if I tighten this way? What if I tighten that? Where do you want it? How do you want me to breathe? How could I do this? Do you want a color? Should I bring a color into it? Do you want a song? Are there songs associated? You know, should I should I do do this to a particular song? And we begin to say, this is experience. Everything is experience. And our pain usually comes from when we refuse to have the experience we're having and we're struggling against it and we're tightening and and resisting or where the body's inflamed because things aren't moving correctly and the healing energies can't get in there. And this kind of play and dialogue, the body knows how to heal. It brings the healing energies where they need to be. Just like my client's attention knew which how to get that one drawstring to open. She just needed to have the invitation to participate in her own body's process, which was otherwise going to be wrenching. And, you know, it it wasn't that it was pain free. It was that the pain was in service of trying to get that bag open and working with it and supporting it as opposed to the pain of this bag is ripping me apart. Mm. Right. I love that. Now yeah. you mentioned a few things you, you are, you've mentioned, you are an intuitive, right? You've talked about the story with your, your friend who is Buddhist. What about people who don't follow any sort of like spiritual beliefs or anything like that? Can they still be able to connect to that inner guidance? Because there's a science behind what you're saying. It, it is the body does communicate with you through symptoms that has, yes. there's nothing spiritual about that. This is, this is a, a, an actual scientific thing. When right. you go to the doctor, the doctor will ask you, well, what are you feeling? You will say, well, it hurts here or here. Right. Right. So right. If, you, if you're not somebody who is spiritually inclined in that way, can you still tap into your body's inner guidance? And if so, how? 
Absolutely. We all have that this built into us. And it's it's kind of like saying, well, if someone doesn't teach you how to use your eyes, can you still see? It's like, yes, you've got eyes, don't you? You've got ears, don't you? You've got a nose you can smell. I mean, we have this built in and we also are not taught how to use it. I mean, if I say, um, okay, let me just um, grab a rock. Okay, if I pull up an object, most of us know this is a rock. You know, I mean, I can, especially if you're in the room with me, if I put it in your hand, you're going to say, oh, that's a rock. But how do you know that's a rock? Well, you know it because as a child, you experimented and explored this object and someone gave you a name for it. Mm. Now, you know, if, if, if you were in another country, you might call it something else, Rocher, or, you know, you'd call it Piero or something, you know, in another language because someone gave you a name for it. So the process of learning to be intuitive is not about having special psychic abilities. It's about activating what you already do with your instrument when you learned what a rock was or how to move something, you know, how to work a new toy um, and gave you names for it is starting to play with these toys and see what they can do and give them names. And you don't have to use my names. You can give them your own names. I mean, I, I suggest names for some things in the process, but I also encourage all my students to rename things, rename, reframe, reclaim, to understand that um, we are encapsulating experience. We're encap encapsulating what we can perceive in any given moment. If you were born blind, you may not have the same experience of sunset as somebody who was born with with um, vision with eye vision, but you may have a different experience of sunset that has to do with the shift in temperature, or what happens with the sounds of animals and the sounds of nature around you as the sun starts to go under. You might know sunset in a way that's amazing, but totally different from the person who says, well, sunset, it's pink and yellow and a little bit of blue and purple. And it, you know, it, it goes like this, 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 and then the light shifts. And yeah, because those of us who see sunset experience it one way, those of us who don't see sunset, maybe hear it, smell it, taste it, know it in our bones. Mm. So that's how you learn this. This isn't about being woo woo and psychic. This is about using your senses all of your senses, the five plus the ones that we don't acknowledge in our culture, you know, that your dog and cat, if you want to know what your other senses are, watch your dog and cat, because, you know, we can do what they can do. We just don't. Well, I don't say we should lick our own butt, but, you know, apart from that, <laughs> I'm not like into licking myself clean, but, you know, clever us that we came up with washcloths and showers, right? So, yeah, it's about experimenting, exploring, tuning in. The kinds of things I've showed today, shown today and that my books are full of, little exercises, little explorations, little explanations of this is an entry point. See what happens if you go into it. See what you find when you go through this doorway into your experience. And I'm not going to tell you, I mean, I can give you some hints of look for this, look for that in case they're there, but you might see, see or experience something totally different. And that's the point. We are not identical. We're not generic beings. You know, you don't look at one dog and say, well, all dogs are that breed. We know that dogs come in all different sizes and shapes and breeds, right? 
And you don't go to the zoo and see the first animal and say, well, all the animals should look like that one animal. You know, we don't do that to other parts of nature. You don't look at one flower and say, well, all flowers should be identical, all plants. There's only one kind of plant. But we do that. We come to people and we sort of say, well, all people are the same. Mm. And we're going to come up with medicine that's very generic. It's only true if it's true of all the different bodies. And, and we train children to try to think as much the same as possible. So you've got 30 kids in a room all learning the same curriculum. And how insane is that? If they're all different instruments, you know, why would we do that to 30 different children who all have different gifts and different um, loves and inclinations and even, you know, spiritual history, if you believe in that, or just just inclinations and tendencies? Why would we think that training them is about making everybody as same as possible? Mm. Why wouldn't we say to a room full of of kids, I want you each to shut your eyes and see if you can find one gift that's true for you. And then let's, we're going to play with, you know, what your gift brings you and how you can share it with others. And then create activities where the, where you have the leaders and the messengers and the ditch diggers and the cook, the cooks and the mothers and all the, all the gifts that we carry become, uh, something that we share with each other it becomes a weave of energies rather than a, 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 you know a um what's that those um lines where they make the cars the uh, I'm com not coming up with the word uh, like a manufacturing line like yeah, a, like a manufacturing yeah. line where you know everything just has is popped out and it's all the same i mean what culture thought that was good to just put us all on on these manufacturing lines and boom that's wild. so yeah, so it's a so renaming and reframing. Reframing means coming up with a different context, a different storyline. So the illness, you don't have cancer. You have an imbalance in your body. Doctors recognize some of those symptoms as relating to the thing they call cancer. But what you have is a need that your body is expressing because the cells have started to replicate out of control and they've lost their sense of boundaries. So what are your boundaries? What are your edges? What is your definition? What, what causes you to grow and stop growing? What are, the, what are the checks and balances in your growth processes? And how can you work with those from the inside out to at least participate in the process of healing the cancer? And that doesn't mean you never accept emergency care from, from physicians. Sometimes you need to have a, a tumor removed so your body doesn't have to work so hard. But then sometimes not. Sometimes we don't even try for what we can do from the inside out to change the situation right now, to change the dynamic right now. We're always going to, well, I want to look better, so I have to do this 100 times. You know, I, I got to lose 40 pounds, and that's this huge thing I have to do. Not, I need to learn more about nurturing myself with food and find a better balance with that. Absolutely. So, anyway. love that. Now, one of the things that you talk about is a concept called entering the stream. Yes. Can we dive a little into that? What does it mean, and why is it so important for us? Okay. Well, um, this is something again that came from my woo-woo practice but doesn't need to be woo-woo <laughs> at all um, which was that when i was being trained at one point in my practice room this old chinese gentleman showed up and i don't mean to be racist but he looked like a stereotypical old chinese gentleman he had long robes and a long white beard and he didn't speak much and and um 
And he started saying, well, take a needle, like take a gold needle and put it here. Take a silver needle and put it here. And I was doing imaginary needles, but I was miming the actions and actually putting them. And my clients would say, are you doing acupuncture on me? Because they could feel the needles. And most of them had been to acupuncturists and knew what it felt like. And I said, well, kind of no. I called it ghost acupuncture. And I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. But it made a difference. It, it started to heal. Clients started to heal and really feel a difference. So I thought, this is very cool. And then one point, the Chinese gentleman said, you know, I'm looking at him and saying, where should I put the needle? And he's saying, no, go into the stream. And in that case, he meant the uh, meridian streams. Those are energy streams that run through the body that are used through in Eastern, particularly in Chinese medicine, but they're used in other cultures as well with other names. Uh, they're streams of energy that feed our organs, that, that, that power the system. Think of it almost like a river system that transports the water everywhere. And so he said, I don't want you to put needles in. I want you to enter the stream and see what's needed. So I dropped into the stream I was working on and I noticed that there was a beaver dam there and I noticed that, you know, one part of the stream wasn't moving at all and seemed to be clogged with rocks and another part was moving too quickly and had worn the, the banks away. And so they said, well, see what you can do to clean up the stream. And so I was literally in there kind of again, using my hands and my energy to move the rocks and I moved the beaver dam somewhere else on a tributary and I did all this stuff and it made a difference. In fact, the client, I, I'm not sure what story I told in the book, but I had a client who, who actually went in re to remission with a cancer after some stream work. Wow. And I thought, that, and who knows if, you know, I, that's not scientific, that's experiential. And too often we dismiss our experience because the science hasn't proven it with 10,000 people. But what I've seen over time is when we can drop into our own streams and do some renovation work, we can really um, radically alter our health and um, radically or subtly both. And, you know, so what I important too, huh? both are equally important too, radically right. and subtly. Right. And we can get insight and we know what's going on and we can communicate with parts of ourselves that we can't communicate with from the surface. We're actually very deep people. And if we're always treating ourselves at the surface, we're not going to get down to where energy configurations maybe need to be shifted or made or dialogued with in a different way. And so it's a process of learning to go into an organ or into a stream or into an energy, um, some part of your energy and, and interact there, not just talk, but also do energy medicine exercises, also doing cleanup. I, I have people call on the universal recycling, no, the universal um, support team, and they come in and, and help um, clean up what's needed so you don't have to do it all yourself. And I have about, um, I'm thinking 20-some um, guided visits in this book of places you can go to enter the stream to do deeper work. And then I have um, uh, those recorded on MP3s that are available for download. Once you get the book, it, it tells you how to get access to the MP3s. So that's what entering the stream is. It's going to where energy lives to rebalance it because too often we rebalance it at the surface and it doesn't get at the real 
uh, core or source of what is misaligned in us that's creating the illness or creating the imbalance in our everyday functioning. And is this something that you can do remotely? So if there's people that are listening right now and they want to work directly with you, is this something that you can do from where you are if they're in another state or in another part of the world? Or is this something that you need to have the person in front of you for? Okay, you don't have to have the person in front of you. It absolutely can be done at a distance. My practice is not open at the moment. I'm not taking new clients, so please don't everyone write me for a, a session. I have trained several students, and so I have students out there who are learning this work. But but the, the books that I'm writing now are all focused on self-healing. What can you do for yourself? Because my goal is not to have you go to some magical healer who fixes you, like that doctor, you lie there and I'll just birth your baby. It is about how do we build a skill set of real interaction with our own energies. And, and the books teach you that. So you don't need to pay me lots of money to teach you these skills. I'm offering them in books for you know a much more reasonable price. I also teach courses on shift network and other places. So the, and there are practitioners. I usually send people to eat in energy medicine practitioners just because that's a tradition I trained in about 15 years ago. And it's similar. It's not exactly identical to what I do, but it it is about um, working with energies and learning to work with our own energies. So, um, so yes, it can be done at a distance. Yes, other people can help you with this. But again, I don't like to foster that dependence we have on someone else fixing me. It's you know, one of the things I loved about the book is that it is a tool to really empower us to look within and to be to take ownership of our yes. instrument, to take ownership yeah. of, of the communication with our bodies. And to the word you used, which I absolutely loved, is to be an active participant in our health, in our instrument, in our healing, in our processes, and to really get involved with that rather than giving that power away to somebody else on the outside, whether it's a doctor or it's a healer it doesn't matter. It's somebody on the outside who could never truly feel and understand what's happening within because they're on the outside. Right, right. And much as I think a good practitioner is worth their weight in gold, I mean, I love wonderful practitioners and I've been very helped over the years by wonderful practitioners. I also find that so much of illness is about not learning to tune your instrument, not being willing to tune the instrument as needed, not knowing what, how to enter into dialogue and hear what's needed moment by moment so that we're providing the wrong things in the wrong ways. And usually even health inputs are like this kind of regime of meanness. It's like, now you're gonna eat this and it tastes terrible, but you're gonna eat it because it's good for you. And now you're gonna do this exercise program because somebody told me that if you do this for 10 weeks, you're gonna be, you're, you're gonna change everything. And you know, all these rules that everyone has has for how you should be and how you should change the illness is a body and mind and spirit screaming to be brought into communion with each other into better communication into better um relationship with each other and you know 60 percent of at least 60 percent of americans have a chronic illness that's not just because of toxins in our environment. That's because of this toxic idea that inputs equal health rather than healthy dynamics equal health. And, you know, 
you could look in my kitchen. I have all the healthiest food you could imagine, but I'm overweight. Why? Because it's not about the inputs. It is about the relationship with eating and food and also protection. It turns out that sometimes weight is good, not bad. That's a cultural idea that we shouldn't be rounder. You know, that's I'm the polar bear at the zoo, not the snake. And, you know, and it's okay if the polar bear is rounder because they need that for their own, you know, seasons. Yeah. And so this is, I mean, the, the ultimate illness and the ultimate healing comes back to, are we willing to step up and get to know and love ourselves and, and not like this looking in the mirror going, oh, you're so cute, you're so great. But really, can we start to have fun with this Disney world of a body that we have that's just so full of cool stuff? Can we come here and play with it and explore it and know it and respond to it and learn all the characters that are in there besides Ruby and start to have those relationships with our own being that we're willing to put into other people? Because no practitioner is going to heal you if what's what's if the illness is about disconnection and so I have a whole chapter called just connect because I think at the root of most illness is disconnection either that or clogging and it's they're sort of similar there is so much more that we can talk about in with this book we could probably talk for another two to three hours on all of the value and information that you have in this book but we won't because the idea is for the listeners to discover this book and to enjoy it as much as i have on their own your body will show you the way energy medicine for personal and global change by ellen meredith thank you so much for being on the show with us today Oh, thank you for having me. It's been lovely speaking with you and meeting your little one down there. So um, enjoy this process of of creating her and, and having a time of gestation. What a, what a lovely time. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode of Chats with Gigi, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes and share it with a friend. If there's a guest or topic you'd like on the show, let me know. You can find me across all social media platforms as Gigi Diaz Live or head on over to my website, www.ggdiaz.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back next week. Until then, I'm sending lots of love and light your way.